So welcome everybody to our uh, fourth episode of this season of the Shadow Dragon podcast. And it's the last one of this year, officially the last one of 2023. Um, let us first introduce ourselves real quick. Um, so let me start off with pointing out to the guy with the cap. So please introduce yourself. I should probably have my mic unmuted, but yeah, I'm Elliot. I'm the CTO, Elliot Anderson, I'm the CTO at uh, Shadow Dragon. I always look forward to these podcasts. Um, it's uh, it's it's been pretty enlightening to see people's comments and conversations on uh, some of the stuff we talked about. So I'm looking forward. After today, we have some fun stuff to talk about. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Dan, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Daniel Clemens, the founder and CEO of Shadow Dragon, and um, that's it. Hey, and we have a new face, or at least a new face for some people who are viewing the podcast. So, uh, David, would you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm David Cook. I'm uh, I'm new to Shadow Dragon and uh, my my first podcast here. So uh, excited to get into it. Yeah, yeah. So welcome. Yeah, David, uh, a new employee of Shadow Dragon. We will learn a little bit more about him, I I suppose, later on in this podcast. Um, and for those who forgot who I am, I'm Nico Dagens. And uh, I am, uh, some people know me better by my handle, Dutch Ocean Guy. And uh, we're here to talk a little bit about, hey, what's going on in the world in general? Um what keeps us busy, uh, reflecting a little bit on 2023, maybe um, looking forward. Um, I think we also wanted to talk a little bit about this information today in general when it comes to open source intelligence or the world around us um, as an open source. Um, but I first want to kick off with, um, uh, I noticed um, uh, a picture um, that you were at um, some, let's say, a location this week, David, where you had to do something for veterans. Can you tell us a little bit more? That's right. Uh, so uh, when I'm not, uh, I'm not marketing director for Shadow Dragon. I'm the executive director for an organization called the Special Operations Association of America. We're a, a veteran service organization uh, based here in D.C. Uh, and we're a voice for special operations uh, on the Hill. And so uh, we, we also do some interesting things um, when we feel that it's right. Uh, so, for example, we had a small team in Israel not too long ago uh, when after the Hamas attacks, there were Americans that wanted to get out. And uh, we facilitated the evacuation of a little more than 240 Americans and their families um, so we're kind of an interlocutor between Department of State, DOD, and and uh, Americans that want to get out of uh, of hostile areas. So, uh, but back to the question, um, I was at the Pentagon for Reads Across America, which is an amazing initiative, uh, and I got to hang a wreath there at the Pentagon. Uh, I, I signed a, uh, a letter of support for USERA, which is um, a law that. Uh, keeps employers uh, keeps employers from giving up positions for uh, the military reserve or national guard uh, while those folks are deployed or on active duty orders. Um, and then they had a great dinner that evening uh, for Reads Across America, which again is a, is a great initiative, great organization. Nice, really good. Yeah, yeah. I always think that there's 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 not enough that you can do when it comes to taking care of veterans in general, but also just acknowledging what they have done so far. So I think 
for me, it's always amazing to see, especially as a European, how much pride you all in the U.S. take into doing that. Because I do see it happening over here. But when I look at um, the scale of and how you all are doing that in the public realm, I think that I always need, I, there's only one thing that I can do is tip my hat to how you all are doing that over there. So, yeah, really interesting. So, um, Dan, is there something that you wanted to 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 question David about when it comes to uh, what he's doing in this? Because for me, um, yeah, there's so much you can ask, but I can only imagine that you have maybe more. Yeah. So, I guess there's a lot, a lot, a lot of things there that you just mentioned. You know, so um, the nonprofit you've got going. How? how how does that even work? You know, how did you get into that? That would be kind of my first question. And then what are some other initiatives that, that you guys are doing in that nonprofit? And then for veterans, what are some other things, you know, that, that you want to start doing with shadow dragon, you know, that you could help, help them here outside of, you know, the nonprofit that you already have going. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to go in order here and uh, try to make it as short as possible. Uh, so after I got out of the, the army, I worked uh, on the Hill. I worked for Congressman Daryl Issa for about a year. My first day in office um, was the day that Kabul fell, uh, August 15th of 2021. Um, I, I was hired on to be a tech fellow. Um, I was supposed to like reform section 230 and like go after Amazon antitrust stuff. And um, when, when Afghanistan happened, when we were withdrawing uh, the foreign affairs staffer looked at me and said, Hey, you're in the army. Uh, see what you can do about Afghanistan. And I said, I don't even know where the bathroom is. I don't know what to do. Um, <clears throat> but we got on the phone with the Pentagon and everybody and um started to get Americans out of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And so that's the first time I ran across uh, Special Operations Association of America. Um, the founder, Daniel Elkins, uh, was actually on the ground in Afghanistan and, and him and I established comms and we were, you know, I was liaising with the State Department um, from Congress and, and he was on the ground. And um, that's kind of our first interaction. And we did that for months you know, the evacuations went on for over a year. I think we got our last American out. Um, this is our case. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there are still Americans trapped in Afghanistan. But uh, we got our last American out. Um, I think it was September of 2022. So oh, wow. for a year. <clears throat> uh, and then Ukraine happened. Uh, so same same deal. Uh, then you know, Sudan and now Israel. Um, so obviously I don't work on the Hill anymore, but when I left the Hill, I, uh, I called Daniel and, and so, and said, Hey, I, you know, I took this sweet consulting job and it's great. And it's, it's good money, but, um, I missed the action. So, uh, help me out. Give me, you know, give me a position. I'll do some networking or create an event. He said, yeah, I have something for you. Uh, executive director. I said, that doesn't sound like 10 or 15 hours a week. Um, but uh, I took it. I, you know, I love this. I, I love doing it. It's a, it's a purpose. It's a passion project. Um, so that's how I got into it. Um, and one of the initiatives 
that we're really pushing that I would like to bring to Shadow Dragon is um, the SOA is a skill bridge, a DoD skill bridge partner, which means that um, service members in the last six months of active duty can apply for and go work for uh, a private sector employer uh, while they're still on the DoD payroll. So for example, if a service member's got six months left, they want to learn more about policy or project management, they can come work for SOA as long as it's approved by their chain of command. It's free for us, for SOA. Um, it's free for the employer. And the service member gets six months of kind of a trial period, right? It's a trial period for the service member. It's a trial period for the employer. Uh, and at the end of that, obviously, you know, the, the best case scenario is the employer hires that, that service member full time doesn't necessarily always happen like that. Um, but as you know, this is my second week at uh, shadow dragon and uh, I've got the, uh, the, the filling out form for uh DOD skill bridge for shadow dragon already. So we'll start, um, we'll start that program as soon as we get it all done and, and approved. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, for us, it doesn't matter, you know, which country you're from, if you've served and you have that kind of um, striving for excellence, teamwork, and, you know, serving type attitude, it seems to translate very well into, you know, just a normal commercial job where we have a lot of different diverse things that we're trying to do. We're building things. We have strange adversaries that want to create rumors about us, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of fun landmines and, and veterans, you know, that have served their country generally fit in pretty well here. You know, I know that we have a few guys in the UK, uh, Nico served his country. Um, you're now on board and we have a few other veterans, you know, within shadow dragon already. And so I'm, I'm always looking forward to seeing who else can we kind of bring over and then, I know that it's got to be pretty scary if somebody's had a, you know, an entire career in, in a very structured place. And then they want to come into something, you know, a world that isn't as structured and, you know, like, I think we offer a pretty good, good spot for that just because we can say, Hey, you can, you can define some of your own realities here and uh, see what needs to be be done better because there's stuff that we're going to suck at and people like that, you know? So. Yeah. I could, I, I mean, I could say that the, uh, you know, leaving the military uh, is one of the scariest things I've ever done. Uh, probably is the scariest thing I've ever done. Uh, and then, you know, because when you take that, when you take the uniform off, it's uh, you, you invest so much in that, your personal identity. And so when you take it off, uh, you don't know really what to do or what to expect. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amplified um, when you've got a spouse and kids and family to support. So uh, I know for me, I was um, certainly, uh, it was frightening, frankly. And then, um, but, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, I got, you know, I got super lucky and, um, you know, second week here at shadow dragon. I love it. I think I'll stay for a long time. And yeah, let's hope so. 
<laughs> so, so I what, have one oh. more question on on the on some of the Afghanistan drawdown stuff. Uh, were you guys using any open source intelligence to help through SOA to get people out? Because we we were helping some folks, you know, in another nonprofit get people out, and that was you know pretty much every day we're we were using OI monitor to to monitor for events and you know see what's going on and then map it out and and then give some guidance on like what's the safest route that they could take even if it's border crossings into another country or what or whatnot um we were using osn were you guys using osn for that to to help people we absolutely were um so we had you know all of our alerts set we had um there are a lot of really awesome companies um that had kind of donated services and donated licenses uh you know we we didn't use uh shadow dragon but i know that shadow dragon was i mean it was a great product to use um we had uh <laughs> yeah so there's a big uh, geoint company that kind of donated their services uh they increased the rotations um so we could monitor taliban checkpoints uh, a lot of Google Earth and Google Maps uh, was used to overlay that um, and guide families through uh, checkpoints. Um, you know, obviously, social media was a huge uh, was a huge uh, catalyst there. So people could um, take pictures as they you know walk past and quickly disseminate. Uh, you know, encrypted chats were used. You know, Discord, uh, Slack. Uh, I don't know how many, I don't know how many signal chats that I was in, but I would, you know, wake up to 800 notifications in the morning and it was, it was crazy. It was crazy times. Well, I think. Wasn't this always, wasn't this also where, um, particularly in this period, there was a lot of information or disinformation when it comes to, uh, geospatial, uh, pictures where, something looked like something bad happened or something good happened. And in the end, it was not what I think around that same period where it, where it really spiked. I don't know if you also noticed that. Um, I didn't run across any, uh, any notable geospatial disinformation. However, I was certainly aware of it. Um, there were a lot of, you know, it's, it's really easy, especially in a crisis situation to inject dis disinformation and, mm -hmm. Uh, create, um, you know, false crises. And I saw that more so um, than I did kind of manufacture synthetic images. Um, I would say that if, if that happened today, I mean, look at Israel right now. I yeah. mean, yeah. 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 But, but also the narratives, also the way, um, or at least the way these payloads, how I like to call them, were, were delivered. Uh, were for me changing because Elliot and I, we, we had discussions about this where all of a sudden uh, pre-COVID, I saw little to no usage of emoticons, emojis in trying to spread a certain narrative. But now during and past COVID, I see more and more emojis, not only on social media, but also on yeah. normal media being used to tell a, a story in essence which could, of course, contain a very specific narrative and payload to persuade someone. But that by itself, I, I don't know. I think 
you and I, Alan, we, we were talking about this about a year ago where we saw a lot of clowns pop up or a lot of carrots pop up all of a sudden. Just because, yeah, that was something specific. Yeah, we saw that with uh, some of the anti-human trafficking work that we were doing years ago where, I mean, that's that's one big way that they're advertising very specific things without using text and and you know the sellers or the pimps or whatever they they think that that's going to bypass some of the keyword detection which it did for like a day for us but you know they there's a there's a misnomer and an idea that i think it will bypass certain types of detection or keyword detection right but this is also why, why because the scalability is so big. Uh, we we were, um, I think when I look at, for example, the classes that I teach, where ten years ago people OSINT investigators were capable of manually investigating, let's say, a handful of pictures a day that they mm -hmm. need to geolocate or verify. Mm -hmm. But when you now look at a typical open source intelligence investigation, the overload of videos, uh, let's say, still images, are is so big that. You need forms of automation to make that first shift in, hey, where do I need to drill down? Where do I need to pivot? Because it's just too overwhelming for one individual or let's say a small team to deal with. And yeah. I wonder I wonder how that in the future will look like. Because when you look at this past year, ChatGTP, for example, is just one year old or that technology that's being released to the public and it means something to what we have learned this year in 2023. Uh, but also it means something for not only next year, but I would rather say for the next decade, because there will be huge impact. Nico, can you kind of flush that out that a little bit more on how you see ChatGPT augmenting certain things? And then how have you used image analysis just in the last let's say 90 days for any active cases kind of that that you know we looked at in shadow dragon helping yeah. a client or or anything like that i mean something for the end user that can be like oh yeah i can go pick that tool up off off the internet or that technique for the image analysis and chat gpt or whatever the you know language model of the day is yeah, I, I think when it comes to those things, it's a two-sided sword. I use it at, to stress test certain things um, to see if something might be wrong or where there might be a certain narrative. So you can actually, uh, that's where it's actually pretty good at. You can ask models, large language models, if there is certain bias in place when it comes to a certain narrative. So let's say you have a web page that has half a page of context. You can ask ChatGTP, point out in what sentence there is a certain narrative and point out exactly what a narrative is aiming for and what audience it's aiming for. And it does a fairly good job. Um, and of course, you can even and you can fine tune that. Um, you can also use it for your daily briefing. So what I like to do is just point it to certain sources that I know are trusted sources that give uh, good, high quality information. And I just ask it to do a precedence brief style kind of daily or weekly brief about a certain topic or region or something. Of course, everything needs manual validation, but that's something that you can use. But for imagery, um, for example, um, 
Last week, we had a case here in Europe where a lot of um, potential terrorists were caught, suspects, and their first and last names came in the news. I started searching. I find a face based of that on coming from that individual's own social media account. And then you can use artificial intelligence to do facial recognition and point out where else can I see this face uh, on the internet. And it pointed me to certain meetings that were secret and are known meetings at a location where the terrorist group asked her annual meeting and he was sitting in the audience. But don't forget that face was like the tiniest vase in the audience, but AI pointed it out. And I would be, I would be confident that if you give me that picture and you give me two minutes to watch it, that I most likely would have overlooked it. But AI was like, nope, that's him. All the patterns match. And of course, you need to manually validate that and you need to corroborate it with your other findings. But this is what we're living in now. And this is still, when you hear me talking about this, partially automation and partially um, traditional tradecraft. And I think mm -hmm. that that will always be the case. These are yeah, just yeah. new new, new ways of dealing with these large amounts of data. It's just... We have scalable data, so we need scalable tools to deal with the scalable data that we need to, um, let's say, process and exploit and analyze. So we need the traditional ways of opening your own little spreadsheet and putting in like 100 entries. Those days are over, or at least for my investigations. It's millions, at least in the thousands of entities and connections and nodes in my, in, let's say, an average graph where I want to make sense of something that turns into actionable challenges. So this is why we need to adopt this, but be skeptical because there's, when, when I look at these large language models, well, I, I wrote that white paper this year. It's not to be trusted. It's not fully to be trusted, but that's the mm -hmm. same for, let's say, if you let one analyst look at one thing and you don't let them let someone prove read it or be their devil's advocate, you basically could have the same errors because we all have bias in these Large language models are, in essence, trained on what humans spread online, information mm -hmm. models. So they act like humans. Or at yeah. least this is this is how I look at it. And I don't have all the answers. I do know that there are certain risks. But I also look at it like the Napster hype uh, or something like that. It's just a new technology hype. And it will it will make will make change in general. But I I think that the overall impact will be overseeable. But that's my personal opinion about um, the AI, let's say, hype. So, Elliot, what do you think about my opinions or in general about this topic? Well, <clears throat> I do like the Napster um, uh, reference. Um, i trying to remember the guy's name on YouTube. There's a British guy I like to watch who talks about um, where we are in the world with AI and how that looks from a technology perspective. Um, and he uses Napster as an example. Napster was transformative for the entire industry. And I think we may have talked about this on <clears throat> any other podcast, but it wasn't that Napster is what became huge. And for anybody listening, doesn't remember Napster. I mean, it was a, you know, it was an MP3 sharing platform from the late nineties and you could get online and, <clears throat> you know, download music, uh, you know, super legally right you know <laughs> but uh i knew you know the bridge was crossed in my mind for getting content digitally by my mom 
my mom is not the most technically advanced person, but she's Napster to get music. And that was the point where I was like, all right, this is in the public psyche now. This is where it lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chat GPT is in the same spot. I, I have three girls and my oldest girl constantly, she's 13. She uses, she uses the language models all the time for everything. Um, I've seen her write rebuttals using the models. I've seen her use the models the way you were describing um, Nico to ask like cliff notes on a particular subject. I've even seen her use it to ask questions on what questions will be asked on a test based on a particular, you know, book or something like that. So it's here. And just like Napster, Napster didn't transform the industry. It was the acceptance of the technology and the idea that I can get content off of a phone, not on a CD or a DVD or a VHS tape or, or whatever. And then Apple is kind of the one I think that went and ran and turned that into Kind of sort of the general world that a lot of people use is like oh i go buy my music on apple or google or you know amazon or whatever you know cars nowadays don't even have cd players right you know and so it transformed the industry and i think i think ai is i think we're i think we're probably in a similar position today especially chat gpt and bard and and the bing one um where napster was and it, this may not be where we go with the future but it's definitely going to be a part of uh, our futures going forward um that being said, I think that a generation of programmers, engineers, analysts, and people are going to start becoming relatively dependent on it. And Nico, you said something important. You said we need to make sure that we're vetting what we see because AI has a tendency to act kind of drunk and say weird stuff that that's just not right. Uh, Nico wrote a blog a while back on that. You, you wrote a blog talking about how you got this thing to tell you it was like spelling was right or wrong and it just kept saying it was wrong or it was right and then you kept correcting it until it finally was like oh wait maybe i'm wrong you know so i think that's a really important thing is that ai is here to augment and help us with things like what you said facial detection or um you know teaching a robot to climb stairs you know understanding the pattern of how to lift its legs to stay balanced or something those are all things i think it's really powerful for i think things start to get a little spicy and weird though when we utilize the technology to say someone is a bad guy or someone is a terrorist or somebody is a, a murderer or something. And, and that's really where we, we need to understand that, you know, the human part of the, you know, the human part of things needs to stay there. So, I mean, we don't, get we, random. we don't want uh, AI telling those things, Hey, you're a suspect, you should die or something like that. That's no, right. That's, yeah. yeah. It's super <laughs> it's, unethical. It's yeah. quite, it's, it's, and, and we've seen AI be very, very, very delusional and i have some fantastic um uh chat block conversations i've had over the last literally 20 years i've been saving this stuff off watching these models get better and better and some of the stuff from just three or four years ago is exactly like talking to the drunkest person at a bar at 1 30 <laughs> in the morning i mean the conversations are insane and it's not like that anymore it still does that okay that didn't make any sense kind of thing but but um you know, so it's getting better and better. But at the end of the day, we, we need to make sure that moral, the moral implications of using this, that, that we're always staying in an ethical position, um, which is something I've, I preach pretty hard with, with my team here. And just, just with everybody is, you know, make sure you question what it's saying and doing, but it is impressive. Yeah. It's quite impressive. And it's part of our future. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm concerned about it changing a worldview in the end, subtly to where it's, you know, something that people are dependent on for how they think, which then changes how their brain works, which, I mean, we, we've seen this happen a few different times, even in our, 
in our own generation with like the advent of Google or um, Amazon. GPSs. Or GPSs. GPS. No one can find their way right. anywhere anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it definitely changes how your brain works and how you think and, and how you depend on other things outside of yourself, which, you know, the pendulum will go a certain way on that until it stops and has to go the other way. Right. And that's kind of, you know, there's good and bad there, right? Like there'll be a large amount of people that get really dumb probably. And then like, you know, a surge in libertarians, right. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. But also I, I think that the vast majority of people nowadays just want to be, let's say, dependent on those devices they ju that's just what makes them feel comfortable they just want to be guided by their smartphone the entire day to tell them hey now it's time to eat now it's time to sleep now it's time to scroll now it's time to it's basically all the time getting that dopamine hit from those yeah. devices and some people are fine with that and i think looking i think that also is part of um a world where certain locations are starting to get more and more overcrowded that you need to have let's say certain people in zombie mode because otherwise it would be total chaos that's 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 basically how i when i look at so for example when i was um it was my first time in new york this year so i never been to new york city i was literally in Times Square. For me, the eye-opener was standing on Times Square that it's a place where, for me, it was a place I had seen my entire life on the TV. But when I was actually there, no one was actually experiencing that location. Their phone was experiencing that location. And that, for me, was such a, let's say, a re-eye-opener because to see it all day, but for me feeling special standing there because when I was a young kid, I watched all those movies, never seen it. And now I was there looking at the people. And I was like, look at me, people. I'm, I'm, I'm here in the place where I would never thought that I would ever be. And everybody was just with their own device. And I was like, yes, now I remember also why I like open source intelligence because the world is digitalized. Everything that we can see is there. And that's, yeah, for me, it was amazing. And that with the combination of AI coming, it's we're living in, I think, the most exciting time in my life, but also the most disturbing time in my life. Because when I look back at my youth where there were no cameras and you could do crazy st stuff without it sticking to you for your entire life, I kind of like that better for my personal life. I had a similar experience when I went to Amsterdam for the first time, Nico, but I refrained from throwing any bikes in the canals, even though I've always wanted to. <laughs> I can teach you how to do that. <laughs> There's so many cameras, though, now they're going to find me. Yeah. Well, we can fix that with AI. We can give you an AI face mask. Yeah, a different one. Um, yeah. So so um, I, I, just to stay on the AI topic another minute here real quick, one of the things that I really... I do think we everybody needs to be mindful of. And I know you see a lot of journalists and people talking about, oh, there's just disturbing stuff like that. But it's really important to to really think about what Dan said about the bias it creates, because it's going to create it's going to create racial biases. It's going to create technological biases. It's going to create nationalistic biases. And if you know, because the the systems are just based on predicting what the next word is, really, 
in, in a sentence and it's using all the words it's ever seen on the internet to do that. And so the bias is going to be who, what the, what the generalized world blob of data on the internet looks like now it's going to make decisions on that. And if we think about what that would have looked like in say in 1930, eugenics was a big thing in 1930. It was huge. And so if we took, if we took the machine and said, Hey, let's, um, let's just use all the data from, you know, 17, 18, 1600s, 19, you know, 1900s up to 1930. And we asked the machine, what do you think about eugenics? What would it say? I'd probably say it's pretty cool. It's the future, you know? And so we always need to be mindful of the, of the effect that has on us from a, an investigator or an analyst or a humanitarian. I really yeah. think that's extremely important because it's just trying to predict the next thing in a sentence you know, based, based on the models, that's, that's all it's really doing. It's, it's, it's the math is really not super hard. You can watch a 20 minute YouTube video to kind of understand how the math works. And it's, it's not super complex. It's not super, super complex. So it's, it's very important that we always use these tools uh, in ways that is, you know, that is ethical and also will help us solve problems and not, not introduce too much bias. Cause like I made the joke earlier about GPSs, I have noticed I'm going to be the boomer old man here, but like, I've noticed I can't tell kids directions to a place if the gps can't get them there i have to say like listen to what i'm saying the gps makes a bad decision on this turn i need you to listen and they're like okay yeah 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 yeah. no no no, really i need you to listen you're going to type it in your gps and ignore me i need you to listen you're going to go to this you're going to turn at this sign and then that's where the place is because the gps thinks it's a different spot oh yeah 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 yeah. what happens in 30 minutes what do i have a phone call i can't find that place <laughs> it's like even even being told it's specifically fine. it's and that's the bias you know that the, the machine is is trained them to the point that they're dependent on it so you know i i'm kind of parroting what dan you're saying and Nico, you're saying but like i'm i'm definitely concerned about you know the ethical implementations uh, the ethical impact of this stuff on society as a whole and we just need to be very mindful of that as professionals as parents as leaders oh, I, as i, all I i'm 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 like way more doom and gloom on this dude like I think this is 2024 is is the gonna be crazy, in my opinion. I think that you know by the mid time mid year, right? Like between June and August, everybody everybody's gonna be able to be uploading deep fakes and deep voice stuff and yeah, the voice stuff anybody and, can do. And they're yeah. I mean, but it's gonna be in such mass use based on like the commercial use of different video cards and whatnot that that will be just in everybody's laptop or desktop moving forward in in one of the you know possibly spiciest you know election cycles that we will probably have i'm predicting that people are not going to trust what they see by the end of 2024 they're not going to trust what they hear and then they're going to be segregating themselves to whatever side of the aisle that their bias was already, already, already on to like a very extreme extent. And I, and I just think that this just like, if all that happens, you know, that we're well, going to be in a hard, I, I, a hard I do spot. I certainly agree now, with that. You know? when, when, when you look at what you just said, I certainly agree with that because when I look at what's happening the past year, more and more is where people are starting to gather more and more in the physical world. And for me, that means when you look at um, the digital world becoming what it has become through the AI and just what you just said, 
people want are also getting scared so they want to feel stronger and when you do that in a yeah. pack yeah so that's what you will be i i think when you look at 2024 we will most likely see more rallies we will see more demonstrations we will see more people wanting to at least have their voice heard in one way or form of shape and that's I think also has to do with these AI models influencing people, scaring people. Yeah, it's and it's it's a it's a rough discussion because there's no way of stopping it, and we cannot stop this evolution, and we can we cannot put it back in the box anymore. That's impossible. Right, and but it's not like this this way all the wave of some of this chaos like it did. It's not starting just today, and it didn't just start with ChatGPT. Of course you know, not. This start, this started back when, you know, Facebook and MySpace started to take traction. But before that, it was the crazy talk shows in the 90s yeah. where where people are, are encouraged to just show the crazy, right? And, yep. and, and, and pushed over the edge. And then people are like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Let's feed on that, you know? And then it just keeps getting crazy. And you know, one or two generations later, that's the norm for society, right? Mixed with a dopamine hit of a social media of the day and, you know, dividing of the population into this camp or that camp. And now, now it's, it's even worse. It's like next gen, next gen, you know? Well, it's how do, how do we interact? You know, it's 30 years ago and, uh, you know, fast forward to how we interact with our devices and how we interact with, uh, you know, text message and now AI and, uh, you know, over Zoom. Uh, and then that manifests itself in the real world. How do we talk to people face to face? And to your point, Nico, about rallies and, and you know, we found that people have personas online. People say things online that they wouldn't say in, mm -hmm. in the real world. And that line is being blurred more and more. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. I always I've hear more and more people say, uh, if I had a superpower, it would be to slap people through the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that might help people's behavior a little bit online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also I think I think when it comes to people, uh, and that basically the comment that you also made, Dan, was just that people don't trust anything uh, anymore on right. on the internet or let's say on anything that's coming off a screen. Um, is that that also makes people want to validate pe real people, because the only way to validate it is by looking you in the eye and touching you and and, right. and hearing your breathe, hearing your breath, and all the kind all the details of real life. And I think that's what people are going to be looking for more and more when it, when things start to become more unreal. Because we can we can add. I've, I've had a discussion the other day that for all AI content, there needs to be a form of hashing or water stamping that it's immediately clear that this is coming out of a AI box when it comes to an image. Or and I'm like, yeah, but what if now I run an illegal model on an underground system, just. It, it's just not going to fly. It's not, you can regulate, you can set up rules, but in reality, if you want to enforce this, it's not going to fly. Period. Right. And I mean, and I think that's where a lot of people are pushing stuff. Like they want to regulate all sorts of stuff under the banner of air quotes, disinformation, right? Like, or, yeah. 
whatever they don't like that let's redact it let's stop it we've had that in the last election cycle that didn't work so well now you've got like you've got elon musk with twitter and x and 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 other people really emerging with with the opposite side of that which is like hey let's just go full bore on freedom of speech which i'm all for but you know like what's going to happen right it's going that's you know what's going to happen between that and some of the deep fakes and deep voice stuff and and everybody getting into their own groups so i think uh you know, i have to um segment my brain here for a second because you know disinformation and military doctrine or um the intelligence community means something very different than what uh what the america what america has kind of uh connotated it with uh in the last several years but there is if you're talking about information disinformation in the united states there's no such thing i mean unless you are unless you are a company you know regulated under ftc under deceptive practices we have the first amendment and so there's there's really no such thing as disinformation i can um you know i can say crazy stuff on this podcast and i have i'm covered under the first amendment yeah that's true so i think that we have to go back and kind of redefine what disinformation is and who the audience is and where it's coming from because what happened what i think is what i think where we need to redraw the lines is what the difference is between what people think disinformation is um under the under the united states constitution and what foreign malign influence operations are and what real, you know, doctrinal disinformation means. It's, that's deception. I mean, it's deception on a mass scale. And everything that we're talking about, you know, AI and scalability, uh, those are those are only a, a vehicle to uh, conflate these conversations and 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 uh, and delivery of that that message, whether it's true or false. Couldn't agree more. It's 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 spot on. It's like the entire conversation about this information is that the information that the, the purpose of the information, when can you label it as disinformation? What is the goal? Is what's the goal? Is the intense harm or harmful, right? Yeah. This is where people need to understand what's going. But also I think I think it's more of an opinion, but I think that's also um When it comes to this this topic in general, disinformation, um, um, AI, and all the change, there is no real... Well, every generation has its own change that we need to deal with and struggle with. And this is this generation's struggle that, we need, that we're just going through. And I think the, the biggest difference for most people is that it now reaches you 100 times faster than two decades. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference. The change is just in your face all the time. And that's it. And, that's, and I can understand that it might be overwhelming for a lot of people. I, I think it is overwhelming, but I think 
like my theory with all all warfare is it all boils down to input validation mm -hmm. you know like this is even mentioned in in biblical texts right you know where where paul talks about hey you know hold every thought captive why why is that and and think about computers we have to have input validation other otherwise we have memory corruption buffer overflows and code execution or you know and the same thing is happening on on social media or, or even let's not just blame social media let's talk about every news agency out there it's it's a it's a it's a marketing shill in the end right like they're pushing an agenda and why right to influence you towards an end and once you're influenced in in one direction you just need to have that that thought or that piece of information grow into a desire and that desire then grows into an action and that's where the ultimate ownage already is right so when we look at you know how is this all going to play out in 2024 i sure hope it stops before there's bad actions you know nico's talking about more protests or or you know whatever a polarized group wants to do um, I just hope in that kill chain, it doesn't get to that. And um, so call it, we, we call it disinformation. We call it, you know, input validation on computer security, but it's all warfare, you know? Yeah. And I would, you know, I would even go, I remember a conversation that I had uh, while I was working in Congress and uh, I, ma I made an offhand comment. I'd, about um corruption and uh someone who had been doing this a lot longer than than i've been alive uh said you know what do you mean by that like t talk about like what you think corruption is and you know he went on to say it's extremely hard to be corrupt uh in in politics um you know the way that you think right no one's taking well i mean most people aren't taking monetary bribes and all this kind of stuff. And um, they're fueled by what they believe. And these, these are beliefs, right? So like right. our input, whether, whether you think it's right or wrong, it's a belief. And the more those get galvanized through, you know, Twitter or, or X or Facebook or, you know, all the information that's being, ingested into my brain uh those shape those beliefs and that is what people act on and that can be uh that can be really scary yeah yeah it's just more it's, it's fired at us in a way more scalable way that's it in essence so um we're close getting to the the top of the hour here um so let's close off with just doing a round where I want to hear from each and one of us just one prediction. What is one thing within the OSINT realm particularly that you predict that will happen? And if you have that, because the holidays are coming up or some people may have some day days off, if you have a book recommendation or something that you, or a movie or something like that, that you have a suggestion for the listeners, that would be awesome. And I'm pointing during my finger first at you, Elliot, again, just because I think that's sure. Yeah. 
point your finger at me. I uh, I like to talk about my book recommendations more personally. So if you guys want to message me, I'll talk a little bit about that. To sound ridiculously pretentious, incredibly pretentious. <laughs> um, I read, um, I have Marcus Aurelius's um, Meditations as something I read daily, as well as um, I read uh, Proverbs in the Bible. I try to read it daily. I try to read both those daily. A lot of times I'll write down um, something from Marcus Aurelius. I have a little whiteboard at my house and I'll talk about it with my kids and stuff. So that's my, you know, pretentious stuck up book recommendation. But as far as a, as far as something to do, if you have a lot of free time, I can't recommend more Mike Duncan's history of Rome on a uh, uh, Apple podcasts. You can find it on there. Or I think it's on some of the other platforms, but it's about 10,000 hours year by year from the beginning of Rome to the very end of it. Um, absolutely love it. I've listened through it like probably three or four times. I, I probably am my fourth listen through now, uh, as well as some of his other podcasts where they're more like books. Um, he also has a really good book called uh, the, the Storm Before the Storm, which is super good. It's about the fall of the Roman Empire. And uh, I think there are many parallels. I don't think it's a direct parallel between the US or the EU and things like that. But there's definitely parallels there between, you know, some of the more powerful what the most powerful empire in the history of the world and it's fascinating stuff too it's it's you know i think uh i think you know the the whole hey if you don't learn in the past we just loop through it over and over endlessly so i think you know that's that's a fun way to it's a fun way to learn and and uh, mike duncan does an awesome job of of doing that um predictions for this year on OSINT. um probably should have thought a little bit more about this for getting on the on the podcast, but I think the world knows what it is now for the most part. I can't walk in down the street and just say, Oh, sent, and every person knows what that is. But I get phone calls from people now almost weekly saying, Hey, can you find this person? Can you do this thing? And that, that wasn't something that happened a few years ago. So I think the general yeah. Uh, public view on what OSINT is and how it works is getting bigger and bigger. It's not just the kids on 4chan or some detectives or something like that. You have that Netflix, the um, don't F with cats thing on Netflix that everybody you know knows about. And so I think that it's generally more in the public psyche. And I think the side effect for the OSINT community, and I mean the good guys and the bad guys, is there's going to be people who are going to want to push public policy on that kind of thing. I think you're going to see more GDPR-esque uh, things surrounding OSINT. And just like we talked about with the AI stuff, I don't really think there'll be teeth in a lot of that. Um, uh, every single time we go to a website now, what do we say? Accept cookies. Because we have to say accept cookies because the EU said, hey, uh, cookies are scary and crazy. And so, you know, it'll be, it'll be things like that. But I think in general, we're going to see laws made and we're going to see people uh, trying to make uh, legal you know, decisions based on, on OSINT stuff. I, I think it'll overall, I don't think it'll have a major effect on what OSINT is, but I think as it gets more public, people will be like, oh, they shouldn't be able to do that. We should make a law that says you, you can't look at X or you can't look at Facebook. Sorry, my phone fell off the table. Apologies. <laughs> but those are my predictions. And uh, if you want some book recommendations that are a little spicier, just hit me up personally. I love to chat. So for those interested, hit Elliot up. We'll leave out some credentials in the podcast note. So if people want to hit you up. Um, well, looking at you, Dan, what are your... Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I want to read more on um, Lewis and Clark and some of the history of the Appalachian Trail. 
So I don't really have a book on that, but that's kind of been my itch lately. I also want to finish a book, uh, Active Measures by Thomas Ridd. Uh, so that's that's in my list. And then predictions. I mean, I've already kind of made my prediction of, of uh, the value of discernment in 2024 will, will be gold uh, as people practice, you know, being able to deconstruct what's in front of them better. And, um, you know, like that's, this is a, something that I've been dedicated to for a long time, you know, with, uh, classical schools, with shadow dragon, with, you know, not having AI tell people how to think about things in our products, you know, like, um, so that's, that's something that I think will, will keep emerging as a theme and then stuff generally in the OSINT community, it's a really hard one, man, because there's just collection at scale and then everybody trying to to push the AI buzzword, which I, you know, that doesn't necessarily end in a new capability, right? Like, I think that there's going to be more platforms that just keep collapsing good and better capabilities for the analysts that are kind of tried and true. You know, that could be more GeoInt stuff, you know, that. I think uh, more people are looking at flights and and geoint stuff in regards to like geopolitical issues and supply chains. I think the, those things will emerge as you know in, instead of just fraud, uh, the use case of fraud in OSN. So it's kind of my loose predictions. Well, let's see in a year how far we all yeah. have come our predictions, David. Yeah, I should have been uh, taking some notes here, but uh, I'll piggyback on what Daniel and, and Elliot both said. Um, as far as I think for OSINT um, on the policy and legislative side, there's there's a lot of uh, kind of fringe conversations happening and, um, you know, about surveillance and FISA 702, um, you know, Avril Haines, uh, Director of National Intelligence, um, you know, missed a debt deadline to Congress on uh, September 30th to define a lot of the intelligence disciplines and OSINT was one of them. And so I think um, once the United States government defines open source intelligence, along with publicly available information, and now the advent of commercially available information, mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, a lot of government entities, the intelligence community, the Department of Defense, a lot of business intelligence folks um, are going to start waking up and going, oh, uh, I I actually do open source intelligence. I think that's going to be a giant wake up for mm -hmm. the industry altogether. Um, I actually think, you know, for, for U.S. government and the intelligence community, that's going to kind of, uh, open source intelligence is going to collapse um, in on some of the the geoint because if I can go to you know Maxar or Planet Labs and buy geospatial intelligence, what what do I need you know NGA for? What do I need these exquisite systems for if I can get it for cheaper? Um, you know for uh, Sigint or Signals Intelligence, uh, you know NetFlow data used to be you know super highly classified information that the NSA only had. Um, but if I can go get that as open source, then what do I need all these SIGINT folks for? And so uh, I think open source intelligence is going to broaden. It's going to expand. Um, I think that 
as we redefine some of these things that that you know data analytics folks are doing um they're going to figure out that they're they're OSINT uh experts too so uh and i think you know we already touched on the ai stuff i think that there's going to be a um an information inequality on uh on kind of the truth what's what's real what's not Um, so there's going to be a bit of the the have and have nots on uh, the best information. Not that there isn't already, but uh, I think that's going to be amplified and conflated, uh, especially with AI. Uh, we're still, you know, getting to peak, you know, post COVID, um, you know, as far as uh, events happening and people <laughs> readjusting. Uh, uh, so I think that, um, I think there's going to be a premium for for good information, good news, good, uh, you know, you know, empowered people. I think about like paying for a Substack, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, books, books, books. Uh, I'm still making my way through the newest edition of um, the Makers of Modern Strategy. Uh, they just came out with a new one and, uh, Thomas Ridd actually has a, an essay in there about open source intelligence where he doesn't call it open source intelligence. So I recommend, uh, if anybody picks that up to start with that essay, um, I'm reading propaganda by Jacques Ellul, which is, uh, like a, a book published in the sixties about, uh, uh, modern propaganda, which, uh, covers almost everything that we, we do here with AI. Um, but it's, you know, like rewound to 1963. Uh, and then I just started foundation too, uh, which talk, you know, I'm in the first 40 pages where the algorithm can predict the future. So, uh, it's all kind of converging on. It's one big. <laughs> yeah. 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 It'll get blurry with that many books right now. <laughs> yeah. Kids running around. What was this? Yeah. <laughs> Total mix up. So my book prediction, um, I'm still going through um, Visual Intelligence, uh, Sharpen Your Perception, Change Your Life, written by Amy E. Herman. Great book, great read, and really an eye-opener when it comes to understanding how easily the brain is to be tricked. Uh, so that also helps you understand how easy and how receptive we are for disinformation and all that kind of stuff. It's just how our brain works. So for me, it was, a, again, a real... A real a little a little eye opener when it comes to visual intelligence. It was really cool to read. Um, as for OSINT, just to close off real quickly, um, what I think again scalability, but I also see more and more of people that starting more and more to understand and appreciate that trade craft is so important because we can have all the tools, we can have all the skills, all the personnel, but if we don't understand the trade craft, um, you will still mess up in your overall. Uh, investigation so that's what i also predict when it comes to that that people will know that if we don't understand the tradecraft we also cannot build those policies that you were talking about or understand how to deal with uh, the future in general so that's that's mm -hmm. my my look at OSIT for 2024 in general. And to close off with one little because i'm a dutch guy i like to complain that's what we do it's the same what we do with the weather i anticipate more charlatans the space where people try to uh 
claim the word OSINT, but they're actually just trying to make a buck out of you. Yeah. That's just what 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 I predict. I I totally agree with you on that. And and I've taken a a few stands on that this year myself on things that I just, you know, I felt were in line with that uh, within the community. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'll just, you know, personally, like I've, I've dealt with people throughout my career that, you know, when I, when I had skills, but not the confidence, the charlatans would show up and, and basically take the, take the ideas and the information and then repackage it themselves until I figured it out. Right. And I, and you know, that, that seems to happen as each, each new subsection within security kind of evolves in our space. It happened with, you know, ethical hacking. It happened with forensics, uh, insider threat stuff, um, threat intelligence, and then e and now um, open source intelligence, and I I just see that emerging right now as well, especially in the last year where people are saying one thing, their actions don't line up with what their words say. But in the end, in the end, yeah. it will wash away. It's just like every just yeah like with CDI. It just when when something becomes a little bit more popular or gains traction, yeah. so attracts certain people, uh, and then they go away, and like. Yeah, right. not too yeah. worried about it, but I do think that it's important for people who are stepping into this space to be aware of that you are stepping on uh, a train that is already in full speed for a long time, and there that there are people in here that really understand the game, and that there are people in here that are just like you trying to understand the game but pretend that they have been in this for forever, and it doesn't always mean that the let's say. Um, People that have been here forever are the people that are always right. Yeah. Uh, because there's definitely, um, or there should always be room for space. But I do think there's a lot of people here that are selling window dressing. And that's something I, I, you I, should be aware of. When yeah, you I, to I totally agree with you on that. And I guess what I was trying to get to at the end was don't, you know, for those that want to start calling that out or whatnot, you know, I, I think that there's a space to just, let those folks exist they'll burn themselves out faster than they than you even think they can and they'll be gone in short order just because they don't they don't have the chops for a long-term game you know and a lot of OSINT is is being okay with boring it's not that sexy staring at data and being like hmm, what does it mean yeah. maybe it means maybe it means nothing yeah. Or on the fourth day, mm, I see what yeah. that means, right? Like, yeah. you, know, well, I... you feel like an idiot for a while, right? You know, because it, it's a puzzle and um, you don't always have all the information. You're looking at like this you know, mosaic, you know, and so it's it's just sometimes really, really hard. And, and it's okay to be like, ah, that's really hard. I don't even know that subsection of OSINT, right? Like GEOINT or whatever, you know. I think I think that's the perfect closing for today because that's that's it. You never know when you know enough, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right, cool. We're we're always the dumbest and smartest at the same time all the time. <laughs> <laughs>